Judges chapter 6, hallelujah, getting at verse 11, if you'll stand with me on this Sunday morning, thank you music ministry for leading us into this moment of the word in such a powerful way. We're starting a new series today entitled, Are You Judging Me? next few weeks we'll be looking in the book of Judges to find the word of God even in the book of Judges. Ask somebody are you judging me? That's what we'll be doing in the month of July. I want to start out of order. I want to start in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 at verse 11. And the angel of the Lord came, sat down on the oak in Orpah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, he replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I'm going to be with you. And I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. If you would just tell somebody on your way to your seat, the pastor's title today. Come on, tell somebody. The pastor's title today is you are more than enough. That's it. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Tell somebody, you are more than enough. You are more than enough. God, we thank you for this day and the sweet spirit of worship in this place. We thank you that you have been more than enough for us. Now we pray in this moment that you would help us to see that we are more than enough for the work that you want us to do. I pray now that you would touch this preacher one more time. Anoint me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Give me preaching power and fresh anointing that I might pour out and preach as I've not preached before. And as we sit in anticipation of your word, God, will you open our ears, will you open our hearts that we might be receptive to what your spirit has to say. For ultimately, God, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, our soul says amen. And amen. Tell somebody around you, you are more than enough. You are. You are more than enough. Hallelujah. Family, of all of the commentary that I've heard and read about this week's Supreme Court decision, that decision that came Friday to strike down affirmative action in college admissions process that has caused such an outrage and an uproar, I was reminded afresh that one of the greatest threats to the progress of our people and to this generation is the illusion of insufficiency. 
It is the idea that somehow where we are, that what we have, that the institutions we've built, that have sustained us, and sometimes even who you are just aren't enough. The illusion of insufficiency can be seen played out in how we view our possessions. That Isaiah, if you can't afford a certain kind of brand name Jordan or clothes to wear, if you can't afford that car or that bag, if you can't live in a certain kind of house, then you are insufficient. We're living in a society that will teach you that if you aren't doing a certain amount of work and not pushing yourself to the edge of physical limitation each and every day, then you are not productive enough. But maybe the worst form of this illusion of insufficiency is around our own personhood. And if you're not careful what you see on social media, what you hear spoken to you by friends and family and famous folk, and sometimes it's the words that we talk to ourselves that will convince you and convince me that as people we are not enough not enough to be loved not enough to be useful not enough to be protected or even to be used by God in call and what God has called us to do that we sense in our own lives to do the things that God has been speaking in your heart to do but I woke up early on this Sunday morning to speak a simple word into somebody's spirit at the top of the month and that is that when you have been called by God when God has spoken some things over your life and if you maintain your position in the presence of God you my brother you my sister are more than enough to accomplish the call that God has placed on your life turn to somebody one more time and tell them you are more than enough. And that's what I see in this text today in Judges chapter 6. The book of Judges tells the stories of six military rulers of the people of Israel who are assigned to lead them in the aftermath of Joshua bringing the Israelite people into the promised land of Canaan. The book of Judges opens with the death of Joshua, Moses' successor who brings them into the land of Canaan that was promised to their foreparents but there are still areas of land that the people must conquer and God has given them instructions you are to drive the people out of the land with the purpose of ensuring that God's people the Israelites would not be corrupted by the customs and the religion and the practices of the Canaanites that were already in the land tell somebody you can be corrupted by your company. Good God Almighty. But in the book of Judges, what plays out, y'all, is a cycle of the same pattern playing out over and over again, where we see a pattern of God's people falling away from God's commands and doing what was wicked in the sight of God. And God then allows their enemies to take them over and allows destruction to befall them. And then the people cry out for help and for 
for deliverance. And after a while, God raises a new military leader, a judge for the people of Israel to deliver them and to bring them out only for some time of peace to go by before the Israelite people begin to do the same thing that got them in trouble in the first place. And the cycle starts all over again. In my imagination, I hear God singing Luther Vandross lyrics about the Israelites. You got me going in circles around and round we go. I don't want to stay here too long, but that sounds a little familiar, brothers and sisters, because I mean, maybe it's just me, but have you ever fell into a similar pattern with God? God brings you into something that God has promised. God gives you instructions on how to manage it, and eventually you find yourself slipping into doing stuff that you knew you were not supposed to do. You find yourself in trouble you should not have been in, and you say things to God like, Lord, if you get me out of this one, I promise I never do it again, only for God to pull you out like you prayed for God to deliver you. And after a little while, after things get cool, after the coast is clear, you go back to doing the same silly stuff and the pattern starts all over again. That, y'all, is the book of Judges. Tell somebody, welcome to Judges 101. And so when we get to Judges chapter 6, the people of Israel are once again in trouble. They have done what is evil in the sight of God and now they are hiding in fear from their enemies the Amalekites and the Midianites and these enemies y'all are some nasty people they are emboldened by their military might and their viciousness with which they deal with their enemies and it has caused God's people to hide out and to hide their goods so that they will not be raided or stolen from by the Amalekites and the Midianites and when we get to our text in chapter 6 God says I have watched enough I've watched enough of the violence against my people and the fear that my people have had to live under long enough I've watched the pain and the suffering long enough and I am going to do something about it God says I'm going to call somebody I'm going to pick somebody from among the people to be the change agent that I need to start fixing some of what they've been going through and when God gets ready to change the world. God calls a man named Gideon, let the church say Gideon, to be used by God to make the change that they need to see. But when you listen to Gideon's response to God's call, what is clear is that Gideon does not believe that he is enough. Somebody say enough. He doesn't believe he's enough to do what God is calling him to do in this season. That Gideon has some insecurities and some excuses that make him feel like God can't use him to do something special, something amazing, and something needed on behalf of God's people. But I think if you'll give me just a few minutes to examine God and Gideon's conversation, it will give us some clues on why you and I and Gideon are more than enough to be used by God for what God is calling us to do. And the first thing that the text teaches me on this Sunday morning is that you and I are more than enough when we maintain the right mentality. Will you turn to somebody and say, you got to have the right mentality? 
it's right there in verse 12 through 13 when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon he said the Lord is with you mighty warrior pardon me my Lord Gideon replied but if the Lord is with us then why has all this happened to us where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian family I've been studying and I've been talking through this text for a few weeks now and there are so many nuances so many nuggets so many angles that we could pull from the text but for this go round I was captivated by Gideon's response to God's proclamation that the Lord was with him and that he was a mighty warrior if you look at the word of the angel God's called it Gideon is actually one that gives us shades of privilege and exceptionalism it is truly God making a statement that there is something special about you there is something specific about Gideon that is different from the others Gideon I have my hand on you Gideon I affirm the great and mighty in you Gideon you are special and privileged among others because of the unique ways my presence and my spirit is on you as an individual in ways that are different than other people I'm doing something great in you I'm doing something with you and Gideon's response to the statement speaks to me about his mentality that he has of why God calls him to do the work in the first place because even as he is being lauded and affirmed and privileged Gideon doesn't respond initially to what was said about him but he jumped straight to the problems that his people faced and questioned God's presence among them the angel affirms that the Lord is with you and Gideon shifts the focus by saying how could the Lord be with us it's as if Gideon says God you can't be with me if it's disconnected from the we that I'm a part of I hear what you said about me but what about us somebody say us what about the community what about the collective that I am a part of how could you be with me when I examine what my people are going through at the hands of our enemies how could you be with us based on the lives that we continue to live under fear of oppression and terror how could you be with us when we came by land and property because we were told to beg and borrow and steal to go to college and prepare us for jobs and industries that don't even exist anymore and the court won't let the government forgive the tab Lord how can you be with us when we are eating ourselves to death trying to decide between natural foods that are cultivated in polluted soil and FDA approved lab generated chickens and vegetables Lord how could you be with us when war is still raging in the Ukraine and Uganda where folks aren't safe in schools or the sanctuary when bodies keep dropping in the streets of Chicago and Churchill where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of many and God I hear the good things that you are speaking about me but I can't fully receive that when my mind is on what we are dealing with and for me family the mentality 
mentality of Gideon uh, is one that we all need to note uh, that God may give us a certain level uh, of individual privilege uh, or allow us to operate in the world in ways that make us special among others uh, but don't get it twisted uh, being special doesn't allow me to be separated uh, from my people and the community uh, that I am a part of uh, it's the kind of mindset that says uh, that even God given exceptionalism uh, is not an excuse uh, to be distant or disinterested uh, or disengaged uh, from the plight of all uh, of your people uh, you got to remain more than enough for God to use uh, when you hold on to the mentality uh, that me being good uh, isn't sufficient uh, until we uh, are good uh, who am I talking to today uh, I'm glad that God bless you uh, to excel in the classroom uh, and put you in a position to see your own children uh, to matriculate through quality schools uh, but until every child uh, in Church Hill has the opportunity uh, to be educated at the same level of quality education uh, to learn uh, in reliable schools uh, that are safer than to live in uh, then we uh, still got work to do uh, I'm glad God has given you business opportunities uh, and resources to be like the Jeffersons uh, so that you can move on up to the east side uh, to a deluxe compartment in the sky uh, but as long as your brothers and sisters uh, your aunties and cousins uh, your neighbors and friends uh, are living in unsafe uh, unsanitary unsatisfactory living conditions uh, anywhere in the world uh, then we uh, still got work to do uh, and how are you using uh, your exceptional strength uh, how are you using your exceptional mind how are you using your exceptional skills how are you using your exceptional privilege and the hand of God that is on your life for work that could benefit not just me but the we that are connected to us will you turn to somebody and say it's not just about me we are more than enough when you maintain the right mentality that even when God is separating and providing privilege to me, I'm still connected to the we. Secondly, the text teaches me that you are more than enough despite passed down proclamations. Good God Almighty, tell somebody you're more than enough. Regardless of what Boo Boo said, good God Almighty, you're more than enough despite passed down proclamations. Look at the text. It's in verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am least in my family. Sister Jeffries, there is a man by the name of Reverend Dr. Miles Jerome Jones who talks about preaching particularities, that when specific spaces and places are named in a text, there's meaning that needs to be mined out. And so when Gideon is going back and forth with God, lifting the limitations that stop him from being the best fit for God to do something in his life, Gideon's second set of objections involve uh, his family. Uh, in Gideon's mind, I must be insufficient uh, because my clan uh, is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh. Uh, and among them, uh, I am the weakest. Uh, and I had to wonder while I studied the text, why include that Gideon who feels insufficient to lead the people is from the clan of a tribe uh, of Manasseh. Somebody say Manasseh. Uh, what difference does it make uh, 
that how he feels about being fit for the job if he is connected to the tribe of Manasseh and family I got the answer when I started looking into the history of the tribe of Manasseh that if you were with us last summer we walked through the family drama involving one of the heroes of the Jewish faith named Joseph the son of the Jewish patriarch Jacob let the church say Jacob who later is called Israel and the tribes of Israel are descendants of the sons of Jacob but if you know Jewish history Jacob's son Joseph has two sons in Egypt before he was reunited with his family Manasseh who is the oldest and Ephraim who is the younger brother who were adopted by Joseph in his dying days adopted rather by Jacob in his dying days in Genesis 48 as his own sons and when he does this he gives them an inheritance and a blessing but contrary to the norm of that day which said that the firstborn son by the name of Manasseh ought to receive the greater acclaim and blessing when they are blessed he crosses his hands and gives Ephraim the younger brother the bigger blessing in Genesis 48 19 and 20 Israel explains to Joseph I know it my son I know it he shall also become a people he shall also be great but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he somebody say greater his seed shall become a multitude of nation he will be blessed that day saying in thee shall Israel bless saying God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh and he said Ephraim above Manasseh hold up wait a minute that means that from Genesis 48 to the time of Judges chapter 6 from generation to generation Gideon's family who descended from Manasseh have to live with the passed down pronouncement of Father Israel that they were less than people maybe great in their own right but never greater than their cousins who were descendants of Ephraim's line that their cousins in the tribe of Ethram uh, would always be greater than them. Uh, and for generations, this ideology uh, and this proclamation seeps into the psyche of the people, uh, the mindset of the people, uh, and the confidence of the people. Uh, so much so uh, that even when God Almighty uh, pulls up the Gideon uh, and says, I have something great for you to do, uh, he can't receive it, Tisha, uh, because what has been passed down to him uh, through his family uh, is that you may be great huh? but you're never as great as your cousins over there huh? that God could not possibly be calling me huh? to be the deliverer huh? when I've always been told huh? at every family gathering with to me in the background huh? that we are the lesser of the two and beloved, I can't stay on this too long, huh? but there are some of us in the room and online uh, who like Gideon may doubt, have doubts uh, about God really calling you, huh? about God really using you, huh? about doubts about calling our lives huh? because we are imprisoned uh, by some of the proclamations uh, that have been made about our families uh, and by our families uh, that have been passed down uh, over time, huh? that we are shackled by some of the 
negative things uh, that have been said by people in our families uh, that were passed down to us uh, and make us doubt God's ability uh, to use us in powerful ways. Uh, you may not be able to say it out loud because uh, some of the folk that said it to you are sitting next to you. Uh, but there's somebody in here uh, who doubts what God has spoken to you. Uh, not because you aren't gifted uh, and not because you aren't skilled. Uh, because even as an adult, uh, you can't get out of the head uh, the messaging that was passed down to you uh, ever since you were a child uh, that you were going to turn out to be uh, just like all the other no good men uh, in your family. Uh, that you weren't going to be nothing uh, because your mama wasn't nothing uh, and your grandmama wasn't nothing. Uh, but I came on a chain breaking assignment today uh, to say that if God calls you, uh, God has more power uh, than any passed down pronouncement in your life uh, that would limit your progress. Uh, I don't care what your great grandmama said. Uh, I don't care what your granddaddy said. Uh, I don't care what your auntie said. Uh, I don't care what your mama said. Uh, it does not have the power to break the proclamation of God in your life. Uh, and that's why we got to be careful what we say to our children uh, and our grandchildren uh, because it seeps into them uh, and causes them to doubt themselves. Now I got to move on. But I wonder if there's a parent in the room. I wonder if there's a grandparent, an uncle or an aunt uh, who will commit to speaking life uh, over your child this summer. Uh, speaking life over your grandbaby, uh, over your nieces and your nephews. Uh, pass down words uh, of affirmation and power. Uh, that there is nothing you can't do. Uh, that you are above and not beneath. Uh, that you are the lender and not the borrower. Uh, that you are the head and not the tail. Uh, that you are created by God. Uh, that you are shaped in God's image, uh, that you are powerful uh, and smart and strong uh, and protected. Put your hands on your baby and say, God's got something in you. He says, I can't do this because I'm from Manasseh's tribe. And my family told me that Ephraim was always... <laughs> gonna be over us no way God gonna use me for that. that that's for Ephraim and them side of the family God said no I'm calling you regardless of what was spoken over your family in the past cause God's proclamation is more powerful than any proclamation that's been passed down to you I gotta go we gotta go we gotta get to the table here it is tell somebody you're more than enough you're more than enough, family. You're more than enough because when you maintain the right mentality, you're more than enough despite those passed down proclamations of your family. Good God Almighty, I tell my son every day, you are smart, you are powerful, you are kind, you are loved, you got power, boy. Speak over your children. Woo, feel like preaching today. I missed y'all last week. And the last thing that the text is that you're more than enough when you let the divine deal with the dichotomies. When you let the divine deal with the dichotomies. That's in 14 and 15, the text points to Gideon's mentality. 
points to the family dynamics that are passed down through declaration. But I think it also speaks to a dichotomy that exists in Gideon that makes him unsure about the call of God on his life. When Gideon speaks to God about not sensing his presence among the community, about not seeing signs and wonders that he'd heard about from his poor parents, God says something unique to Gideon in response. He speaks to the strength that Gideon has left. Verse 14, go in the strength that you do have. It's as though God is addressing y'all an unspoken sense of weakness that Gideon has been carrying. And to double down on this reality, Gideon speaks to his clan being the weakest in his tribe. That he is the least or the weakest among those. And we can infer from the text that Gideon in this season is dealing with some sense of weakness internally that makes him try to explain away the call of God on his life to save and deliver his people from the enemy. Hold up. Wait a minute. This is interesting to me because the same Gideon who is experiencing a season of weakness and feeling weak in verse 15 uh, is the same man who is called mighty and strong uh, in verse number 12. Good, google it, muggle it, this thing is juicy. That in this season where we find Gideon in chapter 6, he's living uh, in this dichotomy. Somebody say dichotomy. (laughs) It's when something is split or divided into two opposite or contradictory groups or identities uh, or entities. And in this season, uh, Gideon's doubt concerning what God can do through him uh, is driven by this dichotomy uh, that he is living in. He is known as the strong one. But in this season, uh, he's feeling weak, uh, maybe due to the toll uh, of hiding out and being responsible for nursing everyone else through the wheat uh, that he is cultivating in the wine press. Uh, I know they call me a warrior, uh, and I know they call me mighty, uh, but I'm actually feeling drained. Uh, I'm feeling weak. Uh, I feel like I don't have much at all to offer in the season that I'm in. Uh, And could it be that part of his doubts uh, about being used by God to deliver the people are driven by his own inability to recognize the dichotomies that he is living in. Family, what do you do when who you are and where you are don't match up no more? When what you are known for and what you are in now are opposites. <laughs> when you've always been known as the strong one, but you're weak. When you're the glue of your crew, but now you're quietly breaking apart. When you're the counselor and the relationship goals for others, but your own marriage is in shambles. When you're the Christian and the holy one, but your life is now more raggedy than the hedonist you hang out with. When you're the prayer warrior and you're the person that's known for having great faith, but you're now full of doubt and not sure what you believe. What do you do when God called you to walk through a door that will bless?
bless you and others, but you're drowning in doubt because of your own dichotomy. Hear the word of the Lord today. Don't miss God's open door that is designed to take you to your next destination because you are living in a dichotomous season. Let the divine creator handle that dichotomy and you keep walking towards the door that God has opened for you. Tell somebody keep on walking and walk with the divine creator. Dr. C, I know I tell a lot of daddy stories, but let me tell you one more this morning about what happened this past Friday and then we'll go to the communion table. Y'all, I had to get the boys up and out of the house early on Friday morning and it felt like it was a morning that was full of delays that were driven by dichotomous behavior. But maybe what was most interesting at that time was it was time to get in the car and take the boys to school was the dichotomy that was exhibited when we got outside. When we got outside the door, we have a morning practice of letting my eldest son open his own car door. And because the door is too heavy for my youngest son, Jaden, to open on his own, I always go and open the door for my youngest son. I call Jaden to come through because he wants the independence to walk through the open door and climb up into his seat by himself and get buckled so that we can get to the next destination. And we had to do this. We do this, y'all, every single morning. Let the church say every single morning. Well, something different happened on this Friday morning because when we got outside, y'all, there was a little bunny rabbit who took off from somewhere near the door and darted into our neighbor's yard, which is on the side of the driveway where Jaden, my youngest son, door would be. And Jordy jumped seeing the rabbit, but he collected himself and went and opened his door and got inside. But when I came around from opening Jaden's door and called him to come. Y'all, Jaden would not move one muscle. Mike, turn me up just a little bit. Now, you got to understand why this is wild. You got to know who my son Jaden is. Jay is my fearless child. Good God Almighty. Jordan is my overthinker. He's going to assess the situation before he makes a move. But Jaden is like bone crusher. He ain't never scared of nothing. In fact, if a fight breaks out, I want Jaden with me in the fight. He ain't scared of nothing. Nuck if you buck, but don't do it against Jaden. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. So it's wild to me that my fearless child, my bravest baby, would not move and was spooked out by the bunny. And the longer that we stood there, good God Almighty, the more I realized that Jay wasn't going to take another step towards me and the open door as long as the bunny was on that side. And I said, I'll tell you what, Jay, I know you're afraid, but we got to get you to your destiny destination, one way or another. How about if daddy comes over and holds your hand, and if you'll just take a few steps, I'll shield you from that which is scaring you, because ain't no bunny gonna bother you while daddy is walking with you. And can I tell you something? My fearless baby boy, who was freaked out by the bunny, said, okay, daddy. And though he walked a little slow, and though he was a little 
cautious. And though he was a little worried, he walked slower than he normally does. As long as he was holding on to my hand, he kept taking little steps to the open door and we made it where we needed to go. I'm done with the message, family. May the Lord bless you real good. But my word to somebody today who is doubting the call and the door God is asking you to walk through in this season because you've seen some things at the doorstep of your life that scare you and have created dichotomies between who people believe you are and where you really are. Here's my word. Keep holding to God's hand. Keep walking with God and let God shield you from what is scaring you and offer to God the best that you can. God said, Gideon, just give me what you do have. Give me the strength that you do have, no matter how little it seems right now. And hold to my hand and I'll be with you until we get to the destination. Will you help me close my message and encourage your neighbor and say neighbor. Somebody say neighbor. Stop downing based on what you don't have. Hold on to God's hand and see what God will do with what you do have. God will conquer it with the strength that you do have. God will work it out with the faith that you do have. God can fix it with the love that you do have. God can build it with the resources that you do have. God can turn it around with the gifts that you do have because God's presence and God's power you are more than enough. Encourage your neighbor one last time with the words of our foreparents and say hold to his hand. God's unchanging hand. Keep on holding to his hand. God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal and hold keep holding. Step slow, but keep on holding. Move a little shorter, but keep on holding. And eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men and women. What the Lord shall do if you give him what you got. I gotta go, but with the strength you have left, give God what you got left raise your hands with what you got worship God with what you got dance with what you got run with what you got praise with what you got and the Lord I said the Lord says you're more than enough as long as you hold to his head. Say yes. Say yes. Say yeah. Say yeah. <laughs> Tell your neighbor you can do it. Just hold to his
by your neighbor. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. Encourage somebody. Tell them you're more than enough. You're more than enough. Keep holding. God has spoken over your life. I don't know what assignment God has called you to. I don't know what God has said that scares you today. Like the bunny at the door of my house. But I come to tell you, if you keep the right mentality, even as God has prospered me, I'm not good and my kids aren't good till all our kids are good. I can't be sleeping in an AC house and not care about those folks who are outside with nowhere to go in this heat. We're not good till all of us are good. I come to tell you, you're more than enough, regardless of what's been passed down through your family history. Huh, to what your mama said and your grandma, I don't care what your grandmama said. I don't care what witchcraft and evil spirit your mama placed on you. If God called you to do it, <laughs> if God gave you the dream, if God gave you the vision, it don't matter what came before you, God will do it. Don't count yourself out because what people think you are, strong and mighty, and what you really are, I'm weak right now don't go together <laughs> we all got some dichotomies let God deal with that you just go in the strength you have go in the power you have use the gifts you have and hold to God's hand God says I'll be with you and I'll fight your battles for you God in the name of Jesus I thank you, O oh Lord, that as we sang at the beginning of this experience, you are more than enough for us. But I thank you that in turn, we are more than enough for what you've placed on our hearts to do. Even when it scares us, O oh God, as long as we hold on to you. Ah, hallelujah. As long as we hold on to your unchanging hand, there's nothing you've called us to do that we cannot accomplish. Now I pray, oh God, that you strengthen somebody today. <laughs> that you encourage somebody's faith today. That you respark somebody's fire in this place today. And I pray beyond that, that you would save somebody today. Bring somebody into this family today for your glory and for the building of your kingdom. We trust you. We love you. We declare you're more than enough. In Jesus' name, our soul says amen and amen.